Praise God. Well, I hope you've been enjoying our campus days. It's, I've really been blessed. It's really been good. It has really ministered to me. I've said it before. If I wasn't full-time minister, I'd be in this school. But you know, we can't build three tabernacles and all just camp here. We've got to do what God told us to do. Praise the Lord. But great, great things have been happening. Hallelujah. Let's turn back over to 1 Kings chapter 17. If you'll remember, yesterday I started talking about that God is not the one that moves in waves and just touches some people and all of these things. It looks that way sometimes from our perspective, but God wants everybody to have an abundant life. God wants every one of us to be full of Him, and it's us that limits God. And what we need is a word from God. And then when God gives us that word, we need to act on it. So I started using 1 Kings chapter 17 last night and used Elijah as an example of how he was in a very bad situation. His nation was apostate and killing people who stood up for the Lord. And yet he got a word from God and boldly went and proclaimed it. And because of that, it set in motion things that just changed the entire nation. The exact same thing can happen with you. You get a word from God, if you'll obey what God is telling you, I guarantee you, your life will take on a significance that it would never have before. God will use you in supernatural ways. And then after he delivered the first word, God didn't show him step number two through ten. He just did the first thing, and it was after he stood up and boldly proclaimed what God had given him that God gave him the second word about how he would protect him and told him to go to the brook Cherith. And I also pointed out that God did not send Elijah's provision to where he was, but sent his provision to where he told him to go. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And so the provision was gone. And you know what? God, whatever he's telling you to do, he is sending your provision to where he's wanting you to go. He doesn't send it to you. He sends it to where he wants you to go. And I believe that there are people that God has told to do things and yet they never go there. And so they never see the provision and they feel like, God, I couldn't do it because you never made provision. And they, they live a life of being a victim and I wished I could have done this, but things never worked out. And it's because they didn't take that step of faith. God sends your provision there, not here. And the problem is that not everybody's all there. You got to get there. And if you aren't there, if you aren't all there, then it's not going to work. So that's what we've already talked about. And in verse 5, it says, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord for the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan, and the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. You know, this is miraculous. This is absolutely miraculous that these ravens brought him bread and flesh. You know, I've got a great teaching. I'm not going to take time to do it. But most people don't understand the difference between a blessing and a miracle. And they're looking for miracles all of the time. But a miracle is not really as good as a blessing. How many of you would like a raven to bring you bread and flesh every morning and that's the way God sustained you? It would be miraculous... But man, you'd be wondering, where did that come from? <laughs> what am I eating? It was a miracle, but you know what? A blessing is even better. When God just blesses you and a blessing is more abundant. But anyway, God supernaturally provided for him and there were some great things that happened here. But notice it says in the seventh verse, it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The reason the brook dried up was because of Elijah's own prophecy. Elijah said, it's not going to rain until I say it rains. And you know what? That caused his own brook to dry up. Well, there's a lot of things I could say through that. I'm not going to take time to dwell here. I could stay on this for an hour. But you know what? When you step out and act on the things of God, 
We've been saying that God's plans for you are good. He's not going to do bad things to you, and that's true. But in between when you start on that path and when you see the things come to pass, there are going to be some lean times along the way. The very Word of God that starts you on this path is also going to make you start swimming upstream. There is going to be resistance. You know, an old dead fish can float downstream, but it takes some life to be able to swim upstream. And when God touches you and starts speaking to you, you are going to have resistance. There's going to be things that happen. The brook's going to dry up sometime or another. And uh, there's going to be some hardships along the way. And it's not that God ordains that. It's just that God is going to lead you in ways that are contrary to the ways of this world. And there's going to be some problems. But ultimately, I guarantee you, ultimately, it all works out for good. And if you just keep serving the Lord, it'll work out. You know, one of the things we try and tell our students is that we have Wendell and myself and other ministers and these people come through and they talk about how God is blessing us and how we're doing all of these things and people see that and they say, that's what I want. And they don't realize that, you know what, it didn't happen this way in the first year or the second year. It takes time. Right now, God has blessed my wife and I and our house is paid for, our cars are paid for, everything we've got is paid for. We know no, no man anything and people see that. But you know what? It didn't come to pass overnight. Man, we've been under the gun financially. We've struggled in the past. And so there's a time of sowing and reaping, a seed, time, and harvest. And with most people, it's more like seed and then time and then harvest. Amen. And so there is a due season. So anyway, my point is that Elijah obeyed God, but his very prophecy and his very stance caused him to come into a situation where the brook dried up and he was facing death because he had obeyed God. You know, you can only go three days without water before your body begins to die. You can only go about seven to nine or ten days without water and you're dead. You've got to have water. Most of us, now this is a really important point. If you start serving the Lord and if you follow the Lord, but if, you, if what God has led you to do puts you in a tight place, most people don't wait on God. Most people just say, well, I've got to do something. And so we just make a knee-jerk reaction and lean unto our own understanding and take some way of escape. Notice that Elijah didn't come unto, unto Ahab until he had a word from God. Then he didn't go anywhere else until he had a word to go to the brook Cherith. And even though he was at the brook Cherith and the brook dried up, he didn't do anything until he got another word from God. Well, this is so simple. You've got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand it. But most of us have uh, not operated in this. We do things, and when we, things get a little tough, we just make decisions and bolt and do this. You need to have a word from God. I couldn't tell you how many people have come to our Bible college and God told me to be here. And then they get here, and all of a sudden, their brook dries up. They run into some financial problems, or something back home happens, or this or that. And they leave. And I'm thinking, did you get a word from God that you're supposed to leave? Well, no, but this circumstance. And they let circumstances dictate their life. Don't ever let circumstances dictate your life. You just wait, and if God told you to come here, you stay here until He tells you to leave. If God tells you to go to a church, I bet you Wendell, I've heard this, and I didn't pastor church very long, not 150 years like Wendell. <laughs> But I've heard people say, oh, Pastor, God sent me here. And then within a month, they're gone. And I thought, what happened to God sent you here? God knew what this church was like when he sent you here. And yet you find out something. And boy, we just lean unto our own understanding. Elijah obeyed God. He didn't do things without hearing from God. Boy, that is so significant. God knows best. God will know how to direct your life better than you could ever direct your life. And if we just got to where we listened to the voice of God and only did what God told you. And people say, but you don't understand. I've got to do something. You don't have to do anything. Elijah, the brook dried up, it said. But he didn't leave just because the brook was dry. He was still in a place where he couldn't even get water. Because that's the last place God told him to go. And that's where God still was 
sending his provision. The bread and the flesh were coming every morning and every evening. So he was just still doing what God told him to do, even though the brook dried up, even though it looked like that this was imminent danger. And so it says in verse 8, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, He stayed where he had been sent until God gave him a new word. And I've mentioned this. I've talked about that God changes your desires. And then I used to desire to do this. And then I'd lose that desire. Wendell mentioned that. And the brook dries up. Uh, Barry mentioned this morning that the cloud moves. You know, there was a cloud over the children of Israel. And they would stay put until the cloud moved. And when the cloud moved, you moved with it. And so all of these things are saying the same thing, but you need to be responsive to God. What is God telling you to do? And you do what God tells you to do until you get a new word. So he got a new word here, and this word was, in verse 9, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman to there to sustain thee. You know, you need to really read this carefully. You read over these things and just gloss over it and don't think about it. Jesus quoted this exact same passage in Luke chapter 4. Jesus taught on this same thing. And he said that there were many widows in uh, the nation of Israel during the time of Elijah. But God didn't send Elijah to any of the nation of Israel. He sent Elijah to a woman of Zarephath, Zidon, a foreigner... And she is the one that God had spoken to. In other words, Jesus is saying that there was a reason. The people were criticizing him about he was saying that he was going to be unto the Gentiles and they thought that the message was only for the Jews and, he's, and he was using this as an example. That no, God all of the time has sought out people. And there's, the Lord sought out this woman of Zarephath because she was believing God. And so he says, I have commanded this woman to feed thee there. He didn't say, I'm going to command. If you'll go there, I'll speak to her heart and bear witness with her heart. He says, I've already commanded her to sustain thee. Now that is really important because if you don't understand this, you can read through this story and miss some of the really good things that are in this story. But God changed Elijah's place called there. God doesn't just show you what He wants you to do one time and then that's it and you never have to listen to the Lord again. I think this is why a lot of people get in trouble is because they seek the Lord as long as they don't have any clue about what's happening. God gives them some direction and then they think, God, I can handle it from here. And they just go on and try and do it all on their own. No, the thing that God is going to lead you to do, it's going to be steps and stages and you're going to have to develop an ability to listen to the Lord and follow the Lord and nobody is going to jump from where you are into fulfilling the perfect will of God all in one step. It's a progression of steps. It's over and over and over. And so here the Lord changed Elijah's place called there. He says, I have commanded this widow woman there to sustain you. Did you know if he would have stayed by the brook, he could have said, this was supernatural. God led me here. Ravens have brought bread and flesh here every day. And I'm just staying with what works. You know what? God is going to change things. The nation of Israel, they used uh, marching around the city of Jericho seven times. And it was a tremendous strategy. And on the seventh day, they marched seven times around it, shouted, the walls fell down flat, they took Jericho. Did you know that they never used that again? They never did it again. Most people would have just have opened up a school and have taught everybody how to do it this way. And look what happened, and we're going to do this exactly this way. They never use that battle strategy again. You need to be sensitive to the Lord. And again, this is what Wendell was trying to communicate. We're trying to teach you how to have a relationship with the Lord so that you can hear from God. And we give uh, you know, examples of how things have worked in our life, but it's not going to be exactly the same for you. The Holy Spirit will give you creative ideas of how to do things. You can learn from other people, but you aren't going to be exactly like other people. God will change things. And so his place called there changed. And if he would have stayed by the brook Cherith, he would have died. But, and not because God didn't meet his need, but God had changed the way he was going to meet his need and he wasn't responsive to God. You have to continue to follow the Lord. So in verse 10 it says, So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman. Notice the definite article, the. 
not a widow woman. This wasn't for anybody. He couldn't have just walked up to anybody and have said this and it would have worked. God had already spoken to this woman. I have commanded this widow woman there to sustain thee. There was a woman who God was already dealing with. Now, I don't know that she understood it was going to be Elijah that she was going to sustain. I don't know that she understood all of the details, but she had been praying. She was in a dire strait herself, and she knew God was going to supply her needs. And somehow or another, she had it that she was going to sustain Elijah. Again, she may not have known the exact person, but she was going to sustain somebody. God was not only going to meet her need, but somebody else. And so there was a certain widow woman. And it says that when he came into the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. Where was she? She was there. There's a place called there. There's a there for all of you. And as we go on and read this story, did you know that she was down to her last little bit of food and she told Elijah, you know, this is my last little bit of oil, my last little bit of meal. I was gathering these sticks so that I could fix it and we could eat our last meal and die. Now, I don't believe that that's what was really in her heart because, again, God had already spoken to her that she was going to sustain somebody. But she was just stating that in the natural, this is what we were doing. This is what it looked like. You know what most people would have done if they were down to their last deal? They would have probably been at home in bed just thinking about, oh, it's all over and moaning and groaning and griping. Or they would have been in their prayer closet praying and begging God to do something. But this woman was out gathering sticks. That doesn't sound like it's a great job. But you know what? She wasn't home licking her wounds. She wasn't home griping and complaining. She wasn't home on her face begging God to do something. She was doing what she had to do. She wasn't out of food yet. Boy, this is important. Here's some of you thinking, I just don't have anything. What you mean is that you've depleted your savings. You only have $5,000 in the bank. And I'm, I'm just broke. I don't have anything. No, if you still got $5,000, you can do something. But we get, well, no, I want $20,000. I want $100,000. I want a 501K or 401K or whatever you call this. 401. Shows you how smart I am. And we want all of these things and think, if I don't have this, I'm just down to nothing. It's not so. You know, our ministry right now is just blessed, and we've got lots of money in the bank. Of course, we've got lots of needs, $40 million I'm coming up with and, and stuff. And today we have a, a building program going over in the U.K. too, about a $5 million building program. We just found out today that the banks reneged on what they told us, and we aren't going to be able to do this. And so... It looks like that program is dead, and I've got to deal with that as, uh, as soon as this meeting's over and figure out what we're going to do. And I, I was talking to David, and I said, well, if we have to, I don't want to, but I said, last resort, we could take all of the savings we've got, and we could bail out the U.K. ministry and do that. And he said, oh, we'd put us down to nothing. <laughs> and, you know, I lived most of my life with nothing. But we've become accustomed now to having money in the bank that if something happened, we, we are in great shape. But it still scares some people. We'd be down to nothing. And I think, but I've got it. It's what God gave it to me for. If I have to, I'll pull it down to nothing. We'll do what we got to. It doesn't bother me to have nothing in the bank. This widow woman was down to her last little bit, but she wasn't out yet. You know, most of us, when it gets 11 o'clock, we think, God, it's nearly midnight. Where, where are you coming through? It's not time yet. We have students all of the time that say, I've spent two years here and I still don't know what God wants me to do. And I think, it's only March. You don't graduate until May. They think, but I, I need to know now. You know, if the Lord was to show you all of the details now, you'd become so impatient you wouldn't last the next two or three months. Or it's just not time yet. God is never late, but he's seldom early. Amen. God will tell you when you need to know something. And we get, need to get to where we trust him instead of having all of this cushion so that if God doesn't come through, I've still got time to do something. This woman was down to her last little bit of food, but she wasn't at home begging. She wasn't at home griping and complaining. She was out gathering sticks. And you know what? That put her in a position for a miracle. Her, she was there. Her place there was out gathering sticks. 
just doing what she had to do. Most people think, well, that's not very important. Well, it put her in a position for a miracle. And so she was there gathering of sticks, and he called unto her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, before we get into the rest of this, let me just say that if somebody was to walk up to you today and said, Would you please go get me a drink of water? I bet you that the majority of people in here would say, who died and made you God? Why should I be going to get you a drink of water? You look like you're an able-bodied person. Why don't you go get your own self some water? Right or wrong? Most of you would be like, who are you to ask me to go do something for you? You know, the very fact that this woman started to go get him a drink of water when he asked. That says something about this woman. This woman was a person that, that loved people and served, and she was a giver. There's a reason why some people have miracles and other people don't have miracles. You can't necessarily control a miracle, push a button and make it happen, but you can make yourself a person that is receptive and fertile ground for a miracle to take place in. Givers, people who are walking in faith and believing God, tend to draw the supernatural power of God. There's more to this story than what meets the eye. According to what Jesus said, he had, this woman was special. There was many widows in Israel, but he didn't send Elijah to any of them. This woman was special. There was something special about her. He had already commanded her to sustain him. You don't see that by just a casual reading of this. And then you see this woman willing to go and give to a person on the very day that it looked like it was her last day on the earth. She was going to die. She had nothing, but instead of saying, well, you don't know how bad off I am. Why don't you help me instead of me helping you? She didn't say a word. She just went and started giving. That's pretty awesome. And it says, as she was going to fetch it, he called unto her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, and again, you could read this as this woman has no faith whatsoever, but that would be contradictory to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. It would be contradictory to the ninth verse where I have already commanded her to sustain thee. I believe that this woman, she was out, her antennas were up. She was saying, God, somehow you're going to meet my need and I'm not only going to have my needs met, but I'm going to be able to sustain somebody else. And she was looking. And I believe that when he asked for the last little bit that stood between her and death, you could read this as she says, oh, we've only got a little bit of food. I was going to go fix it and die as a total statement of unbelief. Or you could read it as she's saying, here's the situation. I've only got a little bit of food left. I was going to go fix this for me and my son that we may eat it and die. This is what's going on. Are you the one that God told me about? She could have just been stating the fact to see what he had to say and, and feel this out to see what was going on. That's personally the way that I take this. And look at this uh, in verse 12. Or excuse me. Verse 12 is where she was saying her statement. As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did. Remember in verse 5 down here, So he went and did. Now she went and did. You have to obey what God is saying. God had already spoken to her. This woman was in faith. He had told her that he was going to perform a miracle. And here's somebody saying, thus saith the Lord. You know what? She got a word. Elijah got a word. That's the reason he went to Ahab. Then he got a word to go to this brook. And, and God spoke that word. Then God sent him a word to Zarephath. Now he gave this woman a word. I'm telling you, this is all you need. It's just one word from God to totally change your life. There's not a single person in here that's in such a desperate situation in your relationships, your marriage, your job, your body, your finances. There is not a single person in here that one word from God could not totally change your whole life. 
God is not perplexed. He is not wringing his hands. He's not looking at you and thinking, boy, this really is a bad situation. I'm not sure if I can fix you. You may be too far gone. No, God has an answer for every person and all you need is just his word. What would God do? You need to pay your taxes. God could tell you there's a fish down here. Go catch the first fish and you'll find a coin in his mouth that will be enough to pay your taxes. Man, God knows everything. He knows where every coin is. He knows where everything is. All you need is a word from God. That's all you need. You don't ever need to feel hopeless. You know, I, I just mentioned this situation in the UK. And I was sitting here thinking earlier this morning that, you know, as soon as this meeting's over and as soon as I've got time, what I need to do is start praying in tongues and just find out what is the Word of God. What, do, what does God want me to do? There is a way to get this done. And I just need a word from God. And so that's what I do. I don't ever get hopeless. It's just, God, I know that this didn't catch you by surprise. There's a way to fix this situation. What is it? You pray and ask God to show you. And then God gives you wisdom and praise God. Things will work out. You hide and watch. We'll have our new facility in the UK too. We're in a desperate need in the UK. More desperate than over here. We really need... A place, and for over two years, we've already told our mailing list twice that this is what we were going to do, and now this is the second time it hadn't worked out. And so, uh, anyway, we really need a word from the Lord on what to do. And it'll come. That's all you need just a word from God, and God knows how to plot a course from where you are to where He wants you to be, and all you need to hear is a word from God. You know, this whole building program, we built, we bought this building for $3.2 million, and then we had a $3.3 million renovation schedule, and they tried to give us a construction loan on it. And anyway, nine months later, after they had told me every week, oh, you'll have your money next week, and it never worked out. Finally, they said, let's just start the whole process over. It's been nearly a year. Let's get a, get a new appraisal, and let's just start all over. And all I could see was another nine months of no, no, no. And so you know what I did? I just needed a word from God. So I spent the afternoon praying in tongues and uh, prayed that I would interpret. And I mean within 10 minutes of me starting to pray in tongues, God gave me a word and told me how to do this. And, you know, it's a long story. I won't go into the whole thing. But, I mean, 14 months later, we were in this debt-free. It was all done debt-free, and God supplied it. And all I needed was just a word from God. That's all you need is a word from God. Elijah gave her a word and said, Thus saith the Lord. And she believed it and went and did. And did you know that for three and a half years, or I don't know exactly how long it was. It was a total of three and a half years that the drought existed. We don't know how long he was at the brook Cherith. But for whatever the remainder of that was, Elijah stayed with this woman and her son, and God just supernaturally multiplied their little bit of oil and little bit of meal. And the Scripture doesn't say this, but knowing God, that faith is what pleases Him and that we walk by faith. I personally believe that every morning this woman got up and fixed Elijah's food first and then fixed her own. Every day for three years or whatever it was, she had to take that step of faith. Every day she had to fight this battle of, man, this is crazy. It's my last little bit of food. Why am I giving it to this man instead of taking care of us first? And she had to operate in faith. And you know what? God didn't multiply her oil and meal and all of a sudden give her a three-year supply so that she'd never have to stand in faith again. But every day she had to go through this same process. Every day. She didn't have an abundance that was going to last her for three years. She just every day got enough to last for the next day. God will supply your needs. But you know, most people are not content walking by faith. Most people really do not like walking by faith. They want to use faith and get such an abundance that they'll never have to walk by faith again. So that it's all taken care of. And man, I don't have to trust God every single day of my life. God, help me to get out of this. But the, God loves it when you walk by faith. And you know what? You can renew your mind. I've actually gotten to a place where it energizes me for these big old projects. $40 million over here and $5 million in the UK. And we're doing all these other things around the world. It's exciting to me. It makes my juices flow. I get bored when everything's, you know, done. And there's no challenge out there. I enjoy it. It's exciting. 
God wants you to walk by faith. The Bible says to just live by faith. That means they dwell there. They don't vacation there or go over there on weekends. You live by faith. This is the way that God wants you to live. If you really get to following God, I guarantee you God is going to make the rest of your life super interesting. You are going to be on the edge all of the time. If you aren't living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. You, ought to, you need to be out there on the edge trusting God and doing something. And so this woman had to trust God every single day. You know, I can just imagine if they would have had reporters back then in the Jerusalem Post, I can imagine the headline, Prophet takes widow's last meal out of her mouth. <laughs> Name it, claim it, prosperity preacher. <laughs> they would have blasted it. Man, they would have crucified him. But you know what? He wasn't taking from this woman. He was giving to this woman. He was her answer. Elijah was the man of God. He could have gone and stayed at the Holiday Inn or the Marriott. He could have done whatever. God would supply his need. But you know what? God not only wanted to bless Elijah, he wanted to bless this woman. He couldn't bless this bread and flesh back to the ravens. He wanted a physical human being to be blessed. And so he says, you need to go help somebody else. Elijah helped this woman. He kept this woman and her son alive through a drought. Most people would think, no, you mooched off of her. He wasn't mooching off of her. He was giving to her. She would have been dead without him. You know, this was a major change in my life. I used to be apologetic about receiving offerings because I always thought like, man, people are going to think I'm after their money and things like this. And I used to be apologetic. And the Lord spoke to me and changed some things around. And I realized that, you know what, when I'm receiving an offering and encouraging you to give, I'm helping you. You may not understand that. You may not perceive it. But it's only what you give away that you get to keep. Everything that you keep, you're going to lose. Everything you put into a house, car, things, jewelry, your retirement, every bit of that's going to be lost someday. There isn't going to be money and jewels and things like this in heaven. It's only the stuff that you give away. It's only what you invest into the kingdom and use to change people's lives that you're going to keep. And I can promise you that when you get to heaven... There's not going to be a person in here come up to me and say, Oh, I wish you hadn't have encouraged me to give so much. I wish I'd have gotten my house. I wish I'd have gotten my fifth flat screen TV. I wish I'd have had these things. No, when you get to heaven, you're going to, say, you're going to hug me and kiss me and say, Thank you, thank you, thank you for getting that money out of my pocket. Because it's only what you give away that you get to keep. What you give away is going to enter into your future and there's going to be people lined up in heaven to say thank you for giving and changing my life. There will be people from our missions in India and Belize and South America and Uganda and all over the world, Europe, all of these places that will come up and say thank you because of what you did. It's only the money you give away that you get to keep. People think wrong. Elijah wasn't taking from this woman. He was this woman's blessing. And you have to learn that. And you have to learn. If Elijah would have said, I can't take your last little bit of meal from you, then that woman would have died. You know, I remember the very first church I pastored, I used to help a lot of uh, people, homeless people, transient people. They'd come by and we'd give them food and put them up and do things. And we tried to help people as much as we could. So we had a reputation. And I was, uh, had a guy in holding a meeting at my church. And um, a a guy came by and he says, could you please help me with some food or a place to sleep tonight? And he had this story that he had left up uh, someplace up north and had come down to Texas looking for a job. He'd been here for two months and all he was down to was his last quarter. And he only had one quarter and he was saving that quarter so he could call his wife. This is before pay, uh, cell phones. You had to have a pay, pho uh, pay phone and you had to put a quarter in to get the operator and make a collect call. And so he had saved one quarter so that he could um, call his wife and kids and let them know what was happening. And he was just down to nothing. And man, I felt so much compassion. I was going to feed this guy and get him a hotel room. I didn't have but maybe 30 or 40 bucks, but I could have at least done that for him. And this friend of mine that was there, he says, no, we aren't giving you anything. You need to give. And man, when my friend said that, I thought, oh man, this is tough. And he says, what have you got? And he says, all I've got is a quarter. And he called it out and told us why he saved this quarter. And he says, this is all a standing between me and total 
desperation. And my friend says, you know what? If you're going to believe God, you need to plant a seed. Give me your quarter. And he took that guy's last quarter. And then he prayed for him. And you know what? I felt terrible. I went home and spent a lot of the night praying like, oh, God, forgive us for taking this guy's last quarter from him. And he slept on the street. And he didn't eat. And I felt terrible. And you know, the um, next day, er, bright and early, he was at the church. And he says, you're never going to believe what happened. He says, right after I gave you that quarter and you prayed, he said, a guy that I'd put an application in two months before came to me and hired me to be the foreman of his ranch, gave me twice the money I was looking for, and is sending a moving van to pick up my wife and kids and bring them down here. And he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, see, I would have given the guy maybe $20 or $30 worth of stuff, patted him on the back, and then he would have been desperate the next day. But somebody who understood that, man, you give to me, it's going to open up the windows of heaven for you. It's going to bless you. You need to learn to give. That man actually helped him a lot more than what I would have done. And Elijah wasn't taking from this woman. He was giving to this woman. He was helping that woman because he had a word from God. God had told him and told the woman that he was going to sustain them. And they were acting on the word of God. I preached a message in uh, Decatur, Texas. And it was not my first time to be there. The previous year I'd been there and there was a woman who was in a mental institution and she'd been released for the weekend to come to the meeting. And she was in an insane asylum. But they let her out on the weekend, so she came. And I prayed with her. She came up and prayed that she would be uh, found sane enough that they could release her from this institution. So I prayed with her. The next year I came back, and this woman came up, and she says, Do you recognize me? And I said, No. And it was the woman who had been in this mental institution. And she had changed so much that she didn't even look the same. And she says, you, they had, the Lord answered our prayer last year and says they let me out just like a week or so after I prayed with her and she says I was released. But she says I'm the janitor at that place and they provide me with a place to live. So I'm still in the mental institution but I'm not a resident, I'm an employee. And she says I want out of this place. And she says I want a new job and a new place to live. And I had just taught on this passage of scripture. And so she knew what I was talking about, and I said, you know what, you need to give. What do you have? And she went and got her purse, and she had this little coin purse, and she counted out, and she had $86 and like 23 cents or something. And she says, this is all the money I've got to last me. I've got to last 10 days before my next paycheck, and I hadn't bought any groceries yet. This is all that's standing between me and, and being hungry. And I said, give it to me. And she said, all of it, and I said, all of it. And I took, she took her little purse and emptied it upside down and just poured it into my hands. And then I went over and gave it to the pastor of the church so that people wouldn't think I did that for selfish reasons. And I sewed it into the church. And I said, now we're going to pray for you. And I believe God's going to do a miracle. And the pastor of that church called me the next week. And he says, guess what happened? He said, on Monday, a man came to this. Well, that was on Sunday that I prayed with her. On Monday, a man came to her and gave her a car. She didn't pray for a car. And this man didn't go to that church. He was a Christian, but he wasn't at the church. He didn't know what had happened. But this guy just gave her a car. And so she got a car that she didn't even pray for. On Wednesday, her mother called her. And her mother hadn't talked to her in over two years because she had lost her mind. She was embarrassed that she was in this mental institution, and so she had broken off a relationship. And her mother called her on Wednesday, found out that she had been released from the institution, her mother repented and apologized and said, it's bad the way I've taught you. Would you please move back home? And so she not only got a new place to live that wasn't in the mental institution, but she got her relationship with her mother restored and went back home with her mother. And by Friday, she had a job that paid her twice as much money as she was making working as a janitor in that mental institution. And it's because she gave. I tell you, we have a word from God. Give and it shall be given unto you. And yet a lot of people, it just doesn't produce because they don't mix faith with it. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it says, The word preached unto them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. 
You have to mix what God has said with faith. It doesn't work automatically. You have to believe it. You have to believe it enough to act on it and to do something. And so Elijah spoke to this woman and said, Thus saith the Lord. She believed it and acted on it. And you know, I hadn't got time to go through all of this, but her son died during this period of time that Elijah lived with them. And because this woman had been sowing into the life of this prophet, she had seed in the ground. She had been releasing her faith. She went and made a demand on Elijah. And you know what? Elijah went in, and this had never happened. There, nobody had ever been raised from the dead in history. You know, it's amazing today when somebody gets raised from the dead. But I personally know over 50 people that have been raised from the dead or who have raised other people from the dead. I've seen three people raised from the dead, including my own son. Even though it's still strange to some people, you know what? There is a precedent for it. We talk about Jesus being raised from the dead. But at this time, nobody had ever been raised from the dead. There had never been such a thing. Nobody had ever broke this ground. And yet Elijah went in and shut the door on this boy and went in and prayed. God raised him from the dead. You know, all of that happened because this woman had started sowing some seed and trusting God because she had a word from God that most people would have just ignored. Like, I'm not going to take my last little bit of food and give it to somebody else. I've got to provide for my own family. Most people would have leaned under their own understanding, and yet this is exactly what God led her to do. And because of it, it ultimately not only sustained her and her son, but it caused her son to be raised from the dead. Man, that's pretty awesome. Can you see what getting a word from God and obeying it will do? And God has a word for every one of you. Every one of you. God never made a dud. He's not created any of you to be normal, ordinary. Every one of us are special. Every one of you have a potential. There's something that you can do that nobody else can do. You are uniquely suited for what God has called you to do. You know, I spend millions of dollars on television and radio, and yet every one of you know people and influence people that will never hear of me. And if they even heard of me, they wouldn't relate to me. They wouldn't receive from me. But they receive from you. Every one of you have things that you can do that I could never do, that nobody else can ever do. And you need to find out from God. You need to hear from God. What is it that God is saying to you? And then if you would follow it, you would see miraculous results, just like Elijah saw right here. And of course today, I'm not going to have time to go through the whole thing, but Elijah eventually called fire down out of heaven and saw an entire nation repent and turn to God. He ended the drought. He got so pumped up that he outran a chariot over 20 miles. He outran horses. All of this happened because God gave him a word, spoke to him, and things started happening. He was able to speak, and awesome miracles happened. Eight mighty miracles happened recorded in Scripture through Elijah because he heard from God, and he acted on his word and did it. You know what? Your potential is there, but you just need to hear from God. What is it that God's called you to do? What is it that he's saying? And then you need to act on that word. And don't let circumstances make you abort it. Don't change just because, well, I've, I've done this and I, I looks like I'm going to quit. You know, Jamie and I, we heard God spoke to me. I could give you, I could speak for hours about the things that God spoke and called me into the ministry and we started that direction. And for the first 10 years of our ministry, it was pitiful. People didn't come. We were starving to death. There were so many opportunities to quit. Matter of fact, most of you, if you would have known us back then, you would have scolded me for not taking care of my family and not doing better than I did. And most people would have thought you should have quit. You couldn't be anointed. And yet we just kept doing what God told us to do. We followed things. And uh, we've seen God do miracles in our life, and God has worked things out. But see, Elijah got a word from God. When the brook dried up, he just stayed there until God gave him another word. You keep doing what God told you to do. There are so many times that I said the same thing that Peter said about, Lord, where can I go? I can't really do anything else. I know this is what you called me to do. And so we just 
kept doing it by default because there wasn't anything else to do. And you just keep obeying God. And I'm saying this in love to you, but I bet you there's people right here that God has spoken to you and you have let life, circumstances, your own reasoning, other people talk you out of it. And you really have a direction from God. You have a leading in your heart, but because of fear or whatever, you haven't obeyed it and you're dissatisfied, you aren't fulfilled, and you're praying and asking God to do these things, and it really just comes down to you need to start doing what God told you to do. Maybe you aren't able to do it all at once. Well, start taking a step in that direction. Move in that direction. God is merciful. He's long-suffering, but He's not forever suffering. You need to do something eventually. You need to get up and do something. If God has given you a word, obey it. Everything we've read here about Elijah happened because he had a word. God spoke to him, and then this widow had a word, and they followed it. And because of this, great miracles happened, even including people being raised from the dead. Isn't that awesome? I'm telling you, all you need is a word from God. And God's got a word for every one of you. You don't have to beg and plead. God's been trying to get your attention and speak to you. And again, if you, if you just were to really be totally honest with God, God has already spoken to every person in here. You may not have a clear understanding of it. You may have rejected it so many times that it's not a strong word to you, but God has spoken to you. I've sat down with a lot of our students, and they say, I just don't have any leading. And I say, now that's not so. You're His sheep. His sheep hear His voice. I said, God has spoken to you. And they said, no, he hadn't spoken a thing. And so I sit down and I start saying, all right. And I start asking them questions. And, you know, within 30 minutes, I can usually get a person to say, well, yeah, I guess I do have kind of a direction, but I just hadn't acted on it. God has spoken to every one of you. There's dreams in your heart that you've rejected and, and not followed through with. But God is speaking to every one of you. And what you've got to do is be still and listen and then just start following this. And I promise you, it'll change your life. And the good news is, it'll not only change your life, but then other people's lives will be changed. There's miracles on the inside of you that God ordained for other people. And if you don't find your potential, if Elijah hadn't have done this, you know what? This widow woman could have starved. And she would have said, God, why didn't you meet my need? God did meet her need. He'd spoken to Elijah. But if Elijah hadn't have obeyed, it's possible that she might not have received the miracles because God just does not operate independent of people. I talked about that yesterday, that it's according to the power that works in us. There are people today that are dying and going to hell. There are Christians that are born again, but they aren't experiencing the life of God. And it's not because God wills for that to be that way, but it's because a lot of people are not being bold and speaking the Word of God. People aren't fulfilling the call of God on their life. And we've got to step up to the plate and start doing what God told us to do. You've got miracles on the inside of you that belong to other people. And if you don't hear from God and do what God told you to do, other people will die without their miracle. You've got a responsibility. Paul said, I'm a debtor. I've got an obligation. Every one of us were created by God. You aren't a mistake whether your parents knew you were coming or not. God created you. God ordained you. He's got a purpose for your life. You've got to find out what it is and fulfill it for your own happiness and fulfillment and also for all of the other people that are depending upon you doing what God called them to do. Amen. It's quiet in this Presbyterian church. I know some of you are thinking, could that really be true that I... I've got something special that God wants me to do. Many of you don't see yourself as special. You look at yourself and there's nothing special about you, but God created every one of you with a specific purpose. And you've got to find out what it is. And you know, when we come to Bible college, we don't tell you what your purpose is. We tell you how to find God, how to hear God, and help you to listen to God. But you need to find out what that purpose is and you need to fulfill it. You know what, I wasn't going to receive an offering this morning, but I'd, I think I'd be sinning against the Lord if I didn't give you an opportunity to give and act on this. Some of you have had your faith quickened and you recognize this isn't me taking from you. I'm giving to you. I'm giving you an opportunity to invest in the kingdom. And so 
We're going to receive an offering and give you an opportunity to act on what we're talking about. And I want you to give in faith, recognizing this money's not leaving your life. It's just entering into your future where it's going to grow and multiply. And it'll come back to you. Some of you are needing a word from God. You know what? You could plant this seed and say, Father, I'm giving in faith. It's not you buying a word from God. It's just you saying, Father, I'm trusting you and I'm, I'm giving. If you need an offering envelope, hold your hand up and we'll have one of our ushers get you an offering envelope. And you know what? Some of you might need to just empty your pocket like this woman did and say, I'm believing God for a miracle. If you want to receive big, give big. If you want to receive small, give small. Thank you, Jesus. If you're making out a check, you can make it out to Andrew Womack Ministries. The information on the check will be sufficient. Or if you're giving cash and want a receipt, fill it out in English, not in tongues, and we'll get you a tax-deductible receipt for your gift. Father, we love you, and we thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you, Father, for this tremendous example, how you just speak into a man's life. He does what you say, and it changes an entire nation. It changed this woman's life, her son's life. Great miracles happen. And Father, we believe that you have a word for every one of us that will change our life and change the people around us as we act on it. I'm asking you to speak clearly. And Father, we're giving today as an act of faith. And Father, we're taking a portion of what we have and we're giving it away knowing that it's not leaving our life. It's just growing and multiplying and coming back unto us supernaturally. So we agree and we receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can receive the offering. All right, remember that we have the tours of our facility here. When is that, Wendell? Is it immediately? So it'll be immediately back here in the break room. I encourage you to please do that. It'll be a blessing to you. Uh, even if you, you know, aren't coming to school, aren't considering any of that, if you're a partner with us, if it encourages you to see what God is doing and all of the testimonies of how people's lives are being changed. We'll be back tonight at 5 o'clock to 6.30 for soup and salad. And if you're a guest with us, this is something we're providing to you as a gift to you. So please come back. If you're a student, you can pay and at the door and be a part of that. After the offering bucket goes by, you are dismissed. See you this evening.